Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. When I ask you, have you experienced any tension lately? How would you answer that question? You know, maybe one of you may say, well, my wife and I are having a little bit of a tension over a purchase. You know, maybe you would say, I want to buy a boat, but she's not, she's not ready to spend that much money. And so there's been a little bit of tension in the conversation. Uh, maybe there's tension in your relationship with, uh, with one of your adult children. You know, you kind of had dreams, uh, kind of maybe expectations of how your child would, would, would leave home and, and how he would live his life. And he's chosen to go in a completely different direction than you. And so when you have opportunities to be together and be in conversations, you, you sense there's this little bit of tension. Uh, maybe it's between you and your neighbor. You know, maybe your neighbor plays their music too loud or maybe you play your music, you know, too loud. Maybe it's a colleague at work. Anytime somebody comes to, to meet with me and they say, man, I, I'm, I'm involved in a relationship where there's a, a lot of tension, I often will say, have you tried to address the tension with the person? Have you tried to fix it? And, you know, it's easy to give that advice. Sometimes we're not so quick to take it ourselves. But that's what I'll often say. Because in my mind, where there's uh, tension, shouldn't you immediately try to address it? Shouldn't you try to resolve it so it can be so much better? Like I said, it's easy sometimes to give that advice, not always easy to live out that advice. But anyway, about 10 or 11 years ago, I was reading this book called Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley, and there was a statement in the book that really, uh, well, really caught my attention. It grabbed my attention, in fact. He said, not all tension is to be resolved. Some tension just needs to be managed. And I thought that through because I thought, is that, is that right? And, and he was, of course, he was talking about music in the church. He was saying, you know, there are some people who want more hymns. Others want more contemporary music. Some want the music louder. Some want it a little bit softer. Some want more contemplative music, while others want more celebratory music. You know, everyone has their own personal taste, their own personal preference. And there's no black and white. There's no right or wrong. And so he was saying, sometimes you just need to manage the tension. I mean, right now in our very own church, we would have tension over COVID-19 restrictions, right? Some would say, just live your life, right? Our days are numbered. Don't worry. Don't live in fear. Uh, others would say, oh, no, no, we've got we to listen to what the government is telling us because they're, they're protecting us. Uh, each side is passionate. Each side has their own perspective. Here we are a year later, and we're still wrestling with this idea, should I wear a mask or not wear a mask? And as soon as I say it, you can feel like there's tension uh, in the air. And then sometimes tension can slip into outright anger. I mean, look at social media, and you can see, even within our own church family, things that are said that are, well, quite ugly towards others who would disagree with them. And, and that's why I've, I've taken a two-month break from social media just to help with my anxiety level, just, you know, when I see so much stuff that's being written. Well, as Christians, I've, I've come to realize we live in a world of tension when it comes to the things that we read in the Bible— and the realities of our life. 
because the Bible teaches us, you know, that God is good. We can believe that he is sovereign. We can believe that he loves me and that he can be trusted. Like we know these things to be true. And yet on the opposite side, we live in this reality of living in a broken and fallen world. Like things happen, right? Life happens. And then that's where the tension is. I know these things to be true, but this is my world right here. When something terrible happens in our life, we ask, why? Well, this morning, we're going to look at one verse from 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, I know I told you last week that I realized I needed to pick up my pace when it came to studying the book of 1 Peter, because if we don't, we're going to find ourselves at Christmas time still in the book of 1 Peter. But then this week, I read verse 13. I thought, there's no way we can rush to this verse. There's no way that we can just skip over it. I mean, Peter has so much uh, for us to learn. And, and remember, I said um, when we started this series, when, when we come up to difficult issues and difficult situations, we ask the question, what does the Bible have to say about these things? Because we believe the Bible to be relevant and we want to know what it says. These truths change people's lives from the inside out. And in fact, these words may be more relevant now in February of 2021 than ever in our lifetime. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, well, let's just actually stop right there. Every time therefore is there, we need to find out why the therefore is there. Therefore what? It's obviously Peter trying to come uh, to some resolution. Peter has come to some conclusion. Peter is saying, based on all that he has said in the first 12 verses, that this is what I know to be true. Well, what did Peter say in the first 12 verses? Well, first of all, he talked about election, that before the world was ever created, before the foundations of the world, we're told that he chose you. He talked about regeneration, that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. He talked about sanctification, that we are being saved, that, right, that we have been uh, saved from the power of sin. He talked about regeneration, right? We uh, will be saved, like we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Uh, he talked about the fact that Christians are not exempt from suffering. He talked about that the blessing of your salvation will far outweigh your suffering. He talked about the trials are temporary. He says trials will test your faith and it will refine your faith so you can be more like Jesus. Peter says, you know, pain is often that pathway to maturity. We want the product, but we so often don't want the process. And so Peter says, therefore, well, let's continue reading. Therefore, with minds that are alert, and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to you. Now, I know some of you probably uh, use an older translation that says, gird the loins of your mind. What does that actually mean? Well, when the Bible is written, most of us know that you know, men wore uh, robes. And so when they were working in the field, when, when they needed to run, or maybe they're playing sports, or maybe when they go off to war, they would pull their robe up and they would tuck it 
in their belt, right? So they're ready for action. And Peter says, have your minds alert. Have your minds ready for action. Because it's going to be so easy to be caught up in these circumstances. We've got to have our minds ready to also know these truths. You can't choose how you feel. I get that. But you can choose what you think about so when these things come in your life, like, yeah, you can't choose how you feel, but you can choose what you think about. And when you choose what you think about, it will impact how you feel. That's why you know, I often encourage people to, to find at least one friend that can speak into your life or, or a small group or a loving spouse who can speak into your life when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're thinking it's kind of gone adrift you know, sometimes when we're suffering, we read into everything. We read the worst in everything. We read the worst in everybody. And I know that to be true from my own personal experience. Because our mind often will take us to some uh, dark places. And sometimes we just need a little bit of help to see clearly. Our emotions can be so powerful uh, and, and take us to places that we just never thought where we would go. So it is kind of nice to have some people around us that can help us think straight. I, I saw this sign. It's, it's, not a, it's not a Christian sign, and, and I don't even know where I saw it, but I wrote this down. The sign said, no matter the situation, never let your emotions overpower your intelligence. Now, I, I would say it this way. No matter the situation, never let your emotions overpower the truth. Yes, your world is broken. But the truth is, God loves you. Now, of course, Peter doesn't say to have some friends in your lives. He's just saying, you, me, we need to keep our minds alert. That's kind of our responsibility. He goes on to say, be fully sober. What does that mean? Possibly it might mean, you know, don't be drunk. Like, drunkenness is not the answer to life's suffering. You know, alcohol is not sinful, but drunkenness definitely is. And we don't need liquid courage to deal with suffering. So that's possibly what maybe he means. Other people think, well, that sober kind of means more somber in our thinking, more contemplative, you know. And perhaps both can be referenced here in this verse. He goes on to say that, you know, we need hope in our suffering. So what does he say for us to do here? He said, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed uh, at his coming. In Lamentations 3, 25 and 26, it says, oh, how good it is to wait on God. I, I find that hard. I find that really, really difficult. In Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6, it says, wait on the Lord, but don't just wait on the Lord, but wait on the Lord with his word. See, sometimes, I think all of us, but I know for me, I need to be reminded, God, who you are. I need to be reminded of his character because it seems as though my circumstances have me all wrapped up and what I need is to be all wrapped up in God. And sometimes, it can be difficult to go to God when you're in the middle of a crisis. 
That's why I tell people, start practicing now. Be in God's word now. So when you find yourself in the crisis, you know what God's word is. Don't get in the crises and then start scrambling to figure out what God's word has to say. No, know ahead of time, being God's word ahead of time. So when all of a sudden you find yourself in the crises, you know God's word. Ever notice someone who is close to God before a crisis, how they handle the crises? Uh, last week, I kind of shared a little bit of the story of uh, Kim and Kim Parker and, and their son, Jesse. And, and every time I read something that they, they post, I'm just reminded, boy, they have spent time with God before that crisis. It has become very evident in their communication. But when your world has collapsed, that's when we need to lean into verses like, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Uh, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There is this promise. Those who hope in the Lord, they will gain new strength. Strength that you didn't have before. Because when you're in a crisis, it drains your strength. Crises sends us to bed and we just don't want to get up in the morning. Uh, crises will wake us up in the middle of the night and it sucks the energy out of us. Uh, I, I have my phone here and um, all of us who have a cell phone have a charger. Why? Because the phone eventually loses its strength. It loses its power. It gets run down. And so what do we do? We take the phone and we put it on the charger so it can get new strength. It can get new power. Because all of us, you know, we lose our power throughout the day. Like we, sometimes we're just hard at it. And so like the phone that waits on the charger to get new strength, that's what the scriptures wait on the Lord, hope in the Lord's and gain new strength. It goes on to say that we could be mounted up with wings like eagles. I, I've shared this illustration before where an eagle will push the eaglets out of the nest so it will, you know, try to try to fly. And, and some of them really struggle, but they finally get it before they hit the ground. But if there's ever an eaglet who's struggling and can't can't seem to get its wings together, what happens? That eagle swoops down. And with their wings, they catch that eaglet and brings it, rescues it. Tony Evans calls that divine intervention. And God sometimes does that. We're, we just feel like our whole world is falling and we don't know if we're ever going to be able to make it. And he swoops in with his wings and saves us. Divine uh, intervention. Then it goes on to say, uh, they will run and not get tired. They'll not grow weary. I think sometimes God just allows us to run through the crises, run through the suffering. It, maybe we could call it divine enablement. You know, God gives you a second wind to be able to run through it. Gives you new strength to handle. And then it goes on and says about that they will walk and not faint. 
Sometimes we're just left to walk. Um, sometimes we just need divine encouragement because God doesn't change the situation sometimes. But he is doing something in us. So he may not change the situation, but he maybe uses a song on the radio, um, a sermon, words from a friend that just kind of encourages you to keep on walking. Nothing's changed. Because sometimes God does put us in situations that he has no plans for it to change. So I want to encourage you, you can trust God even when you do not understand what you're going through. Because God wants to refine our faith. I know the devil wants to destroy our faith, but God is trying to refine our faith. And so the command actually in that verse, in verse 13, is set your hope on the grace that will be revealed. Grace, of course, is giving us something that we do not deserve. Set your hope on the grace that will be revealed to us. I think it's, you can set your hope on heaven. Why? Because setting your hope on heaven changes your perspective on your trials right here. So set your mind on that grace. It will be revealed when Jesus Christ returns. But the question would be, how can you long for something that you've never experienced? How can I long for heaven? I've never experienced it. And it's true, I don't know what heaven is really like. I mean, I read some verses. I have a little maybe description, but I really don't know what it's like. But I tell you what I do know. I know who is there. Jesus. And that changes everything for me. So that's why I think you can set your hope on heaven. Life is a vapor. Um, how quick life uh, can be over. Imagine, if you will, for me, that this rope represented your existence. And this red part represented your short time here on earth. The rest, all of eternity. But this part, the life that we are living right now. We have a tendency to think that this is it. That this is all of our lives. But it's such a small part of our lives. You know, we get so involved in these few years. And understandably, I, I get it. I, I know why we do that. Yet we have our whole life ahead of us. You know, sometimes we go, I, I just can't wait till I get in high school. I can't wait till I get to college. Uh, I just can't wait to get out of college and get a good job. And then I can't wait to, to get married and have kids. And, and this part of my life, I, I can't wait to really begin to save so I can be prepared for retirement for this part of my life. And this little part of our lives consumes our whole Life, yet it's just a short period of time. And sometimes I think we deceive ourselves to think this is it. This is all that we have. In reality, this is just the beginning. So let's not be foolish enough to think that we're just going to live for the now when we have 
all of eternity ahead of us. So Peter's telling us, don't just focus on this. <laughs> this will be over really soon. But focus on what is ahead for us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Every day, you and I get to choose what we're going to focus on. We can focus on this little part, the little dash, or we can focus on the line that represents all of eternity. Really, the choice is yours. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge us to keep our focus on heaven because when we do, it changes our whole perspective of the suffering that we are going through maybe right now. Motions may be raw here, but the truth is God is good and he has a great plan for us. And part of that plan is a home with him for all eternity in heaven where he will be. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.